Last week I spoke, shared a message about the threefold flow. And just a quick recap, it's been this metaphor, this picture that God has put on my heart for a number of years concerning what he wants to do here in Wilmore, here in this community we call dwelling, central Kentucky, and really I believe he wants to flood the whole earth. That's the Bible promises that as the waters cover the sea, that's how the knowledge of God's glory is going to cover the earth. So, um, no one analogy or one picture totally explains what God is speaking because what he speaks is so grand and so has so many layers. But I do believe the flood is a good image. The threefold flood was God is going to cause the wells that we have been working with them. We've been digging and we have a part to play in. We've been digging these wells, but only God can cause them to spring forth. And I believe he's going to spring, spring up a well. He's going to spring up wells. That's the first part of the threefold flood. The second part is more sovereign and God, you know, no person can cause it to rain, but God rains from heaven. You can't dig out the clouds. Um, that's just God rains when he wants to rain. The part that we have been playing and that he may continue to use us to play is praying. Elijah prayed and then it rained. He prayed and then it stopped raining for three years and then he, he prayed and it rained. Okay? So um, that has been a big part of our ministry for seven years is praying with faith um, and not just asking God, you know, God, we would like, you know, $10 million so we can build a ministry center. That, that was not in his heart for us to ask. What we've been asking is, God, pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. I remember in the very beginning days when we were meeting up with Tim and Aunt Debbie's, we would have our Tabernacle Tuesdays and we would play one of our theme songs was this, it was an older uh, worship song, and pour out your spirit. It just, for like eight minutes, it just said, pour out your spirit, Pour out your spirit and, and pour out your healing. Um, and that's what we've been believing for and praying for. That he would rain down and pour out. Uh, that's the second part of the flood. The third part, um, along with the rain, or excuse me, yes, along with the wells and the river, the wells and the rain is the river. Okay? They all work together. When you get lots of rain and you get the wells um, springing forth, the rivers start to overflow as well. And the river is what floods and flows with force. The rain impacts the river and makes it flood, makes it flow with a whole lot of force. Our job with the river is just to receive, just to jump in and let it take No person can control the river. I know we've got technology where we can build dams. But there is a river that flows from God's throne that no man and no dam can touch. 
river who wants to flood our city and take us away. Okay? And uh, that's one of the big goals of the flood, is to get us out of control. Okay? We're not good controllers of our lives. Okay? We were never called to be in control of our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls us. When we control us, the results are not good. Okay, and I did want to mention, uh, Uncle Tim, when he was a boy, had a dream about this flood. So I've been believing for it for a number of years, really since 2006, and then it became clear in 2015. So it's been quite a while this theme has been unpacked to me. But long before I was thought of, Uncle Tim had a dream. You said it was either 69 or 70? And Uncle Tim had a dream. He was coming up over one of the hills uh, on Lexington Avenue um, right after Wesley uh, Village and the uh, Thompson Hood Veterans Center. And his dad was driving. Correct me if His dad was driving. And as they came up over the hill, all the city was flooded. And remind me, what are the parts? He said he said he was in total control. I told him he was driving too fast. So his dad said, I'm in total control. Isn't that, I mean, that is, the whole point of this is to get us out of control. And his father, who I knew, Tom Johnson, was a man of God. This city has been a city of God. The cross on the tower, that's not been a farce, okay? That's been true. There's been a, a, a legitimate honoring of God. But there's this one foundation that has really robbed Wilmore of its destiny. And that is the right hand of man. In the Bible, the right hand and right arm symbolizes power, control, a king's reign. Yes, we are priests and kings by the blood of Jesus, but we were never meant to reign with our right arm. So when our right arm is in control, you know what flourishes? Religion. Right arm equals religion. Religion equals right arm. It's anything we do to try to add to what God has done or is doing. Any way we try to justify ourselves or work for God or work to get God's blessing or His uh, results with our own strength. The flood that was prophesied to a boy more than 50 years ago. The flood is going to do a lot of things, but the main goal is to get us out of control. Alright. The threefold flood. Now, I want to talk about something connected to that. Before I do, let me do a little prophecy commercial. Alright? God put it on my heart to start speaking about some of the prophetic words he's given this community. Some of the ones he's really impacted my heart with and the ones that have stuck after years. Just like Mary's uh, prophecies that she heard about Jesus that stuck with her for three decades. These have been sticking with me for a while and I felt it in my heart to proclaim them again. And I'm going to give you three elements of Biblically, and why, uh, from the Spirit of God, why I, I, I think what's behind this for us, for our community, and even this city. 
Okay? God doesn't even need people to hear something to cause things to happen when somebody speaks. He told Jeremiah, I have put you over nations. I have called you to plant nations and to tear nations down. Did Jeremiah just go to every nation and say, excuse me, every citizen of this nation, I've got a message for you? No, he didn't. Now, he did write some things down, or his scribe, Baruch, wrote them down. But God put prayers in, he, he told Jeremiah, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You speak them out, and things are going to happen. Because you're made my image. I spoke things out, and things happened. So, it, we don't need more than 20 people. We could have 20 minus 20 people, and God's word would still have impact, okay? I believe what he wants us to believe and what he wants me to proclaim tonight is not just for us, it's for the region and beyond. Okay, but the first element of prophecy, why it's important, is it destroys the works of the devil. It's, the prophecy is the word of God, and the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Okay? It destroys the works of the devil. In fact, I'm going to use uh, uh, or point to a, a Bible verse that also is the third point that I want to come back to. Uh, two Bible verses. It says the Son of God, Jesus, was revealed or manifested to destroy the works of the devil. That's one of the reasons God showed Jesus to the earth. So that the works of the devil could be destroyed. That's 1 John 3, 8. In the book of Revelation, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So someone's testimony is what they speak, what they communicate, what they stand on. Jesus is like, my testimony is heard. It is communicated through the spirit of prophecy. And that's why there's been such a war from the devil against the gift of prophecy. Because it means bad news for the enemy's king. Okay? So, number one reason we're uh, proclaiming the prophetic word of God is to destroy the works of the devil. Okay? These uh, continue in order of importance. They get even greater. The second point is this. To encourage you. It says in the Bible, you seek the spiritual gifts, especially if you prophesy, because prophecy edifies, it builds up. And the first point that we talk about Satan, him being destroyed, we destroy him, Jesus destroys him, because he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy God's works. So, the first point of prophecy is to destroy the works of the devil. The second one is to build you up. Tear the devil down, build you up. And part of the building up is this, that he would build you up in faith. He would encourage your faith so that you could fight the good fight of faith. Because Paul told Timothy, remember these prophecies so that with them you can fight the good fight. You can move forward. And as I've been saying, these personal words that God has put into your heart over the years, be ready for God to remind you of those things and fight the good fight with them. All right, the third and most important 
prophecy, as I talk about Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, is to reveal Jesus. It's to show his face, to show his heart, to communicate the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the Father's prophetic word to the planet. All the prophetic words, the true prophetic words from God meet in the person of Jesus. In him all things consist. He holds all things together by the word of his power. You know, God is going to sum up all of human history. He's going to sum up everything. In Ephesians it says, to sum up all things in Christ. And I thought about that this week. It wasn't that specific verse, but I had a conversation with a friend, and I told him a thought that came into my mind when I was in the kitchen. Just, you never know when the Spirit of God may sneak up on you. This was just a moment, but I had this thought that it seemed inspired more than just my intellectual uh, musings. This thought about Jesus, that he is the God who created the galaxies, millions and millions of miles and light years, and this little sphere that we dwell upon, and all of it, he holds together with the word of his power. You know how powerful his lips are? And how much weight his words have? And that all things consist in him? Like, it's like the Milky Way here, you know, the nebulas and whatever all those scientific terms are for the galaxy. They all exist in him. Yet, beyond our minds to comprehend, he is also a human. He is fully human and fully God. Anyway, I just had that real quick thought and just kind of, I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, he is greater than we understand. And so really the whole point of this, the greatest point of me sharing prophetic words and the goal of all these prophetic words, it's not to see their fulfillment and for their fulfillment to be the goal. The ultimate goal is to see the Lord Jesus more clearly. The last book of the Bible, which is specifically called the prophecy, and blessed are you if you read whoever reads the prophecy of this book. The whole point of what John saw is at the beginning when he said he saw one. He saw Jesus with eyes of fire and he felt like a dead man. Okay? So it's like the goal of the flood is to get us out of control. A dead man has no control. Okay? God wants to flood with his spirit so that we see the person of Jesus. We're out of control and we're dead. But we're dead and out of control. Okay? It sounds maybe a little bit scary, but uh, that's the goal God has for you and me. That we would be dead and therefore out of control. The dead man floating down the river. That's when we become most alive and most useful, dead and out of control. All right. Now we're getting into this. I'm telling you, we're going to cover some ground. And uh, I've already prayed that you have supernatural power to uh, receive uh, all the points that we're going to talk about. But again, it's a metaphor, a big picture I think will stick, okay? I want you, along with those three things that I said, my desire for you is that you would go away tonight 
with a picture, even if you don't remember all the details, although I pray that you would, because they're really good and helpful, that you would go away with a picture, just like a picture of that flood, just flooding over Wilmore, getting us all out of control, delivering us from religion, just carrying religion away. I pray that you get a picture tonight of the beach or the bay of Wilmore. We're not close to the ocean here, but the ocean of God's spirit is just a breath away. All he had to do was breathe, just speak it, and all the water uh, came to being on the earth. So, we're going to talk about the beach and bay of Wilmore. First, what I'm going to do is tell you the five elements of this beach bay reality. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit of the history of how we got to this analogy. And then I'm just going to go over the points and read scriptures that reinforce this. Okay? So the beach and the bay. Number one, pure paradise. Okay? Number two, holy Hawaii. The theme of Hawaii has been a constant for us for years. Number three, the bay's base. Bay's as in like B-A-Y apostrophe S, possessive. The bay's base. Number four, consecrated camp. And number five, mighty military with wild warriors. So our first two points is where we want to focus. Um, in our hearts, Jesus said, all right, I know you just stomped all over the devil, but what I want you to do is rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So we want to rejoice in Jesus. He is the promised land. He is our paradise. There is no paradise apart from the person of Jesus is our paradise. So we want to focus there and rejoice in paradise. But just like Jesus rejoiced to do the will of the Father, and his, his life was his love relationship with his Father, that was expressed in a militant way. Again, John, 1 John 3 8, he was shown the earth to destroy the works of the devil. So he had a military mission. He fought for the goal of agape. He fought so that people could be brought into the heart of God. That was his purpose, but to get to that goal, he had to fight. We are called the same thing. So we're going to talk about the military aspect, the fighting aspect, which is a key element in the beach bay of Wilmore reality. All right, how we got there. Ten years ago, um, plus a couple months, Michael had a dream. If I leave out any details, make sure you just interject. The big idea was that Michael saw this massive wave coming to hit the ground here. And as he looked, he could see the, the wave was like a wave of sand. And if you've ever seen really, really powerful waves, like we went to Hawaii a couple of times with our basketball team in college, and when we went to the North Shore, they wouldn't even let us in the waves. I'm a wave fanatic. I like, I want to be thrown around, twisted, and chilled. 
pushing floor, getting scratches. That's just my stuff, okay? But they wouldn't let us get in. These waves were like round because they were churning up so much sand. They were so powerful. So Michael sees this wave of sand, which I believe part of it speaks of the intensity and the power. And this wave was massive, and he was a little bit freaked out by it. And he saw the wave come, and he saw people being swept away in, and he saw me like, swimming like this. He said, I was ready for it. Just jump right in. And I believe uh, that was not just a picture of me personally, I believe I represented those who are waiting for the wave. So I don't want you to just have a nice picture just to make you a little bit more encouraged. I want you to be prepared. Prepare the way of the Lord. I want to prepare some wave riders. I want you guys to be in a position to be able to jump with this wave. Okay? So you can help other people swim. No, it's okay. Come on in. It's good. You're going to love being out of control. Any other important elements of that, Michael? Yeah, the one part I, that near the end, I will say, at the end of this, the result was there were some other people, um, like Christians, Christian leaders, who were, um, actually they were expressing Yeah. And then, then you know, Ben, right. This is an important element. In, in the spirit of preparing you, this wave is not only going to get us out of control. Anybody who says yes to it, you got to understand. If somebody does not want to be out of control, and look, don't condemn yourself and be like, oh man, I've got problems getting out of control. I guess I'm disqualified. No. If you want what God wants, he'll help you get out of control. But if there are people who, who are Christians who say, no way, I'm not getting out of control, and I'm not going to jump in this way, just like in Jesus' day, the people who said no first to the wave of God were the religious leaders, were the people who were the Christians of the day, Okay? And when you say no to God, you end up thinking all kinds of dumb things. They said no in their heart to what God was doing, so they looked at Jesus Christ, God of the flesh, and called him a drunkard, a madman, a fake, a phony, a liar. Same thing with John the Baptist. When you have a no in your heart to God and say, no, 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 I'm not jumping in your way, your heart is, there's like tubes connected to your ears and your eyes. If you have a no in your heart to join into what God's doing, you know what? You're not going to be able to hear His truth. You're not going to be able to see reality, see the kingdom. But if you have a yes in your heart to God, no matter what kind of weakness you have, no matter what sin issue you might have, who are the ones who recognized Jesus and loved him the most? The prostitute. Can't get much more of a sin problem than that. The tax collector, cheater, stealer. These are the kind of people who see, okay? 
doesn't mean it's encouraged to go live a, a life of sin, but our weakness does not mean we're going to miss Jesus. In fact, it's the weak who tend to see him the clearest. All right. So Michael had that dream. Oh, to confirm it, this big wave of sand, uh, oh, the end part. So there were religious leaders, uh, one in particular, who was accusing me and like coming against me. And again, I don't think it's, this dream is all about me. It's what I represent. I represent uh, a group of people who are saying yes to God, a group of people who are prepared to be wave riders. There may be some people who are friends now, or maybe they're not even acquaintances, who do not like your lifestyle of being swept away in the spirit. Because if a person will not release control, you know who their number one enemy is? A person who has been swept out of control. Because they're afraid of that person. Jesus was totally filled with the spirit. He was just flowing. He's just like, I just go where the Father says. I'm, I'm not controlled by any man. I'm not controlled by myself. That made the religious leaders deathly, and I mean deathly, deathly afraid. They're like, this guy, we got killed. Because he is out of control, he's out of our control. So you gotta know when the, the wave of sand comes, big sandy comes, it's taking us out of control, and people who don't want to be out of control, they are not friendly. Or they're friendly to your face, but uh, they're really kind of buttering you up so they can cook you. So this is something else. Yes. Okay, that's right. So I had marks on my back, which represents Jesus. Okay, he was whipped on his back. So we got to understand, he said, if they rejected me, they're going to reject you. If they whipped me, they'll whip you. I don't mean that, like, they're going to take us out in the uh, South Lexington Avenue here on Main Street, and Mayor Rainwater is going to oversee and we're all, you know, flogged. Uh, I pray that Mayor Rainwater will be swimming with all of them. But I don't think there'll be, like, physical punishment. Uh, but I just believe we're going to bear the marks of Jesus. Those who say yes to him and who flow with him, we're going to get our backs a little bit bloody. Also, to confirm that dream, which is amazing, I was listening to a talk show today, and the, the host said, it's like Hurricane Sandy. When's the last time somebody mentioned So Michael had that dream weeks later, Hurricane Sandy devastated the East Coast. And you know, God does this a lot. He will speak something and he'll confirm it in the physical or the natural realm. So that that big wave of sand, I believe, um, was confirmed. That dream was confirmed by Sandy. That doesn't mean, by the way, that God sent Sandy to destroy. Okay? He's sovereign, he oversees things. Um, anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. When I was with Karis, we were visiting her family in April 2014, days before God said to start the Tabernacle Day, to start this ministry. Days before. We're at Karis's house. We used to visit there every spring break uh, when we were both in the school system. And we had just found out that Karis was breaking the Zion. And for years, God had spoken to us that the birth of your first child on earth will signify a ministry for you all. Well, 
ministry has gone concurrent with little Zion. She had just found out she was pregnant with Zion. One night, she's sleeping on her bed in her old bedroom, um, and it's like a little person bed because her family's the little people. Um, and so, like, for both of us to sleep on, I, I have a tough time just me sleeping on a thing. So, a lot of times when we're in that room, I'm on the floor, and she's on the bed. So, I was on the floor that night, and I was listening uh, on my iPod at that time to worship music. And all of a sudden, I had this clarity come where I saw that God wanted to build a beach in Lomar. And I just, it just came in my heart so strongly and succinctly. And ever since then, it stuck with me for the last eight years and five months. The beach, the bay of Lomar. So that happened. And again, that changed the way I saw things in his vision for this city. In May of 2016, after we'd been meeting and praying with Dwelling for a couple of years at that point, the Lord spoke to us uh, at Uncle Sam and Debbie's through a metaphor with this same beach thing and said, I want you guys to, as a prophetic act, to prepare for a trip to Hawaii. Okay? And without going into all the details of this, you know, God calls prophetic things that look kind of silly. He called Jeremiah to go bury his belt like a hundred miles away from where the, he lived. And and then he told him to go get it like a few months later. And and he just spoke one sentence. I'm like, Lord, I mean, you could have just told me that in the house. We can't tell God how to do things. Okay? He does things that we say he's for. He told Isaiah to walk around the city naked. He gets to call the shots. It was a prophetic message. He had Ezekiel lay on his side for hundreds of days. I mean, he like probably supernaturally protected him from that source. Okay? God asks us to do seemingly silly things to project a message he's trying to do. So, some of you were around. We took off for our trip for Hawaii in May of 2016. And, uh, it was, it's been, uh, we didn't understand that we had years of trial and tribulation and plane flight uh, to go. And then, I was really excited after three years in March of 2018, again, just go with the, the theme here, okay? I felt like God saying, you're landing. Finally, we made it to Hawaii. And then, I didn't understand it, I should have. When you get to the promised land, that's when the fighting is most intense. When Israel made it into the promised land, their paradise, that's when they had to fight Abu Bashan, Jericho, Ai, all these places. That's where it was. It got the most intense. I'm telling you, the last four and a half years, well, in the words of Groundhog Day, it was a doozy. It's been a doozy. It has been a doozy. It's like been like a four and a half year D-Day. But if we persevere, if we don't give up, we shall reap a harvest. I believe the harvest of Holy Hawaii is right at the doorstep. I believe we're about to take the land. All right. 
So we've been in a four-year war to possess the promise of paradise. All right, let me get through these. Number one, pure paradise. The word paradise means a royal enclosed park. So royal is like kingly, someone in royalty is reigning over it. So Jesus is reigning on his throne that the Father has given him. He's reigning over an enclosed park. So part of God's vision for this region is that he would have a protected zone for his people. Like Jerusalem had walls around it, and like the new Jerusalem is going to have walls around it. And it's a specific, special, protected place for God's people. And he is king, so it's a royal enclosed park. And it's not just a park with some swings on it. We're talking about Garden of Eden Park. Eden actually meant Garden of Pleasure. That's what the word means, Garden of, or Garden of Delight. God wants a park, a Garden of Delight, protected. And you know, um, well, I'll get to that point in a second. Genesis 2.8, I told you I'm going to give you the scriptures here. Prophetic words are true ones are backed by the backbone of Scripture. Genesis 2.8 Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man or the human he had formed. He planted a garden. He called it Eden, Garden of Delights. He protected it. Now we know that Adam didn't quite join him in the protection and let the serpent uh, beguile him in his beautiful bride. But God wants us to go back to the garden. He wants us to go back to paradise. And listen, he paid for paradise with his blood. Not just someday in eternity. He, he paid for heaven on earth. He's, that's his vision, to bring your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is paid for complete union with himself. That is paradise. So, I believe God wants a royal park, a, a paradise, right here in this city, where we are fully united with God. And I, the details of it, I have a lot of ideas what that might look like, but the, the details are not near as important as this. A community of people protected from the lies of the enemy, who know they are one spirit with God. Paul says he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with them. If we can live in the reality that has been paid for, for us, it would shift the whole earth. We would do greater things than Jesus, like he said. Simply, if we live in the truth, you will know the truth and truth will set you free. I believe God wants to come with his way, his flood, get us out of fear control so that we are only left with one thing. We're in him, out of our own control. He's controlling us. We're just united to him. So to boil down, paradise is going to look like a lot of things. It's going to have personal locations for each one who says yes to the gift of this beach. But the goal of the beach is that you are undeniably united God, one with Jesus.
Alright, there's some other scriptures in Revelation. Revelation 21, 1 through 3, 21, 14, 21, 22. It's talking about how the city comes down, the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. And it has this river going through it, and it's got 12 trees that are for the healing of the nations. And it's got the pure crystal water flowing, again, connected to the flood. God wants any city who says yes to heaven. He wants any city to be like a new Jerusalem. He wants this place to be a city, a park, enclosed with his blessings flowing out. And not just so we can like live here in an insulated Mayberry and say, wow, it's so great to live in this place. I'm glad that I'm protected. No, the point is so we can have a place to bring the broken so they can get healed and so we can take the fruit and we can go out and heal. We can be shocked and sent from this pure paradise and we can carry the spirit of paradise to other cities, to other people. So, God wants a pure paradise. That's what he has purchased with his blood. And paradise is union with him. And then we're protected, enclosed, as he is the royal king ruling over us. Number two, holy Hawaii. Holy firstly means set apart, other than, different. God is holy because he's set apart. He is not a man. He's away from us. Now we know he's come to us, but he is not like us. Who is a God like you? He is in the heavens. He does what he pleases. Okay? He is holy. And part of the, the explanation of that holy and that differentness is his purity. There's no spot in him. So that's definitely one of the pieces, the main points of holiness. But it's firstly, he is set apart. He is so different. So this holy Hawaii, he wants to bring a different thing than our Christian experiences, than our Christianity. Much of it is built by human hands. He's been merciful. But his goal is actually to flood and tear down Christianity and build up his people, his church, his ecclesia. He didn't say, I came to build Christianity. He came to build you. He came to build his body. So part of the reason I think God showed Michael that wave of sand, remember the great power, but also Jesus said, whoever does not put these words into practice, whoever doesn't do what I'm doing, you're like a person built on the sand. I believe that sand represents all the false foundations, all the religious, the Christian foundations, God sweeping them away. And he's not doing that because he's mad at people. He's doing that because he wants the pure. He wants the holy church. He wants holy Hawaii, other than, different from Christianity. Just like Hawaii is set apart. It's hours away from the mainland. It is set apart. So he wants a set apart people, a set apart place, a set apart city. Did you know there are no states in Hawaii? favorite character 
characteristics of that beautiful land. I hate snakes. I don't care if you're not poisonous, and I'm sorry for this offense, but I kill I even kill the dark snakes in, in a variety of ways. I kill them. I'm not going to go into that now. I'll talk about it publicly. I slay servants, unapologetically, in the spirit and in the natural. Okay? In Hawaii, there are no snakes. Okay, this connects to the enclosed part. Now, look. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have encounters with the forces of darkness. No. Our purpose, part of our purpose, the reason Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is showing up in us is to destroy the works of the devil. If we're going to destroy the works of the devil, we're going to have to, like, you know, rub shoulders or go nose to nose so. But what this speaks of, no snake is going to be grinding us down. There was a promise made to Eve, said the offspring, talking about Jesus, but if we're one with Jesus, it's promises for us too. Your offspring, your seed, your child, Mary, and anybody that's united to him will crush the head of this serpent. For too long, the roles have been reversed. We've been the tail, and the enemy and people who part with the enemy have been the head. Christianity is in the tail, and the world is like kind of looked down. Like, you know, okay, we start making some movies and start making some music. But this is not what God's vision is, okay? And part of us being the head and authority in the earth, and again, the purpose of the church being an authority is so we can wash feet and bless people fully. But part of the way to get to that authority is to rob, destroy, be a holy Robin Hood community who takes the plunder from the devil. We are to destroy the works of darkness, but the no snakes element is we're going to be protected. Jesus spoke this, and I, I'm like, Jesus, I don't argue with you on this, okay? This, this, you can, we can express our emotions to Jesus, but it's kind of one just to argue with him. I know sometimes this intimacy is developed by the Lord before our hearts, but to tell him he's wrong. Um, he says, go look at his phone. I found Karis' Bible one time, like shortly after we were married, her Bible from like middle school and high school. <laughs> she, had, I mean, she, I was so impressed. I never even read the Bible. I didn't even read it until I was 21, God delivered okay? I mean, it's not like I had to put the pages, but I never sat down and actually read the Bible. At all, not even just like passive. Um, but she was different than me. She had read all, but she had highlighted some things and she, uh, at one point, like marked out, she's like, not true. <laughs> now she wasn't being like pagan. She was just like, this doesn't make sense to me. This hurts and I haven't seen this in my life. Not actually. <laughs> so God appreciates that honesty. But at the end of the day, he's right. And Jesus said this. It sure not felt totally accurate in my life. He said, I've given you all, I've given you power over all the works of darkness, over all the enemy, over all snakes and scorpions, and nothing by any means, listen to this repetition, nothing by any means will injure you, or sometimes translated harm. And I'm like, Lord, I feel like I've suffered some injury and harm. Now, I'm not here to go into theological depths. I've got 
ideas that come to me right now, but I don't want to try to uh, dive into that. I'm going to stay more focused. But the truth of that word is going to be fully manifested. We are going to trample. It says trample on all the devil's works, on all that he is and does. Trample, okay? Holy Hawaii means we step on the devil. Now, not only are there not bad things, like the devil grinding us down, if we're in Holy Hawaii, there are luau's, okay? And that's why we've had uh, a couple luau's over the years on the Tim Debbie's as our little stake in the ground, saying, we believe in the Holy Hawaii vision. Jesus has been known, John 21, he has been known to do cookouts on the beach. I mean, he showed up there, and Peter got so out of control, he, like, jumped in the water without any clothes on, or maybe he says he put his clothes on. Like, he's fishing me. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought that was weird, because then he put, he put his stuff on. I was like, what? Didn't want to be indecent for Jesus, I guess. He didn't mind what his brother did. Um, anyway, Jesus was on the beach. He was already cooking bread and fish. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts. Jesus, like, he's like, I love him. He's like, hey, bring some of the fish that I just supernaturally caused you to catch. That was my added pregnancy, but it's what happened. He helped them catch fish. So much net but it didn't break. 153 large fish to count. He said, bring some of those over. We'll cook those too. Jesus wants Again, the prophecy is to help us better see the testimony of Jesus. It's one of his testimonies like, hey people, I do beach cookouts. I celebrate. I celebrate. It, we have to look at the goodness there too. He caused them to have that big catch of fish. He did that at the beginning of Peter. Peter's like, you're just, you know what you're doing, I'm sinful. He, he couldn't take the blessing, it was too big for him. Totally blessed his finances. And then he did it again. It's like, I'm just blessing you with my goodness. Jesus wants to bless us on the beach. He wants blue out. He wants angels playing volleyball with us. We'll go easy on us. You know, one of the angels puts this, in Revelation, puts this foot on the land and the other on the sea. I mean, these things are like making a statue of liberty. Like, scary, okay? They'll go easy on us in volleyball. They, they serve us. Um, and they'll be gentle because their heart is the heart of God. But it says, it is biblical two times, it says explicitly, it talks about angels partying and rejoicing. As a matter of fact, three times. It says in Job, they, the sons of God, the angels were shouting in joy when God was created. I mean, that, I mean their voices are amazing. They're singing. I mean, I just imagine them like singing the soundtrack. As God is speaking creation. Mountains! You know, they're just like, and, and then they're like, it's like it's really hushed tone, like, like Misty Mountains, Lord of the Rings, like singing when he creates man, because it's like so holy. What is that? They were celebrating, it says, in Job. And then it says in Hebrews that the angels are gathered around him in a festal, party-like gathering on Mount Zion. It's not, and it's colors, lights, sounds, explosions. Celebration. And Jesus said, 
When somebody turns to the Lord, the angels get to the party on them. Okay? They want to party with us on the beach. Number three, the bay's base. Now we'll start here again the military aspect. Okay? We touch on a little bit. A military base is for training and it's for sending. You get trained at a base, you become more proficient in whatever part you play in the military. And proficiency is not just to like ace your tests or do great physical feats like, look, I, I'm, I can do it, what I've been trained for. You're to take that out and you're to gain ground or protect ground or protect people. Okay, the training is purposeful. So God wants a training element. He wants a base, a military base, so that we can not just be haphazard warriors, but we can be strategic. We can each one know our specific role. We can have our marching orders. The base trains you for that and then sends you out to, to do it. In a, a way that, you know, a little alliteration again, which you know I, I like to use. This base is to protect, to prepare, and to pinpoint. To protect the land. Again, watchmen on the walls so that garden enclosure is protected. Okay? Adam probably could have used, Adam and Eve probably could have used some watchmen on the walls. Okay? Cut that serpent's head off before he even got into the garden. Okay? So they could have been uh, obedient, smart. But God knew all that, and, but he teaches us through the mistakes of the past. He wants watchmen on the walls. So protection is part of this base. Just like in a base, you've got those dudes out there like, you're not getting on that base unless you're allowed to, okay? So we got watchmen protecting it, and we got a war room. We're, we're preparing, we're training, and then you've got the leadership who's gathered together, hearing the marching orders from heaven, like Joshua did. Specific things. God got real specific, specific with Joshua. Real specific with David. I mean, here's what you do, here's the time, there's the location, and do it my way. <laughs> And the results will be good. So we've got this war room who's strategizing, and then the leadership, the Joshua's, the David say, All right, here's the plan, guys. And then the military says, Yep, we're going to carry it out. Pinpoint precision. Again, this is holy, this is other than. We haven't seen a lot of that in Christianity. Oh, God, we're, we're just going to, you know, laugh. God, we're going to go do this. I hope you bless it. And that's been okay, because that's where we've been at. But it's not always going to be this shotgun in the dark, and hopefully somebody gets hit for the blessing beam. It's going to be precision, where we throw bombs of blessing on cities. And instead of like Nagasaki, where it wiped the whole city out and killed, it's going to bring life, beauty, a heavenly bomb. Okay? God wants precision to send us out to specific places. And we do use some destroying. I want you to go over here. I want you to destroy that principality and that region. And just like the hoping that God bless the ministry, we've actually gotten our tails whipped a lot when we start trying to take on territorial spirits 
and there's a lot of fleshly pride and ambition in it, or just immaturity, and we run away with the sons of Sceva symptom, who tried to take on demons and they didn't have the authority. They, they said the right name, in the name of the Lord Jesus whom Paul preaches. They, they were talking about the right person, but talking about and trying to do something for him is not the same thing at all. Seven men left the house naked and bleeding. And this was just a demon afflicting a guy. Think about what the powers of the principalities can do. I know a little of experience about it. I've made some mistakes, and I can tell you more stories of the painful results, right? But it's not always going to be like that. God is going to show up as the commander of heaven's armies with Joshua and David-like precision. I'm not going to, I have those scriptures on here. They're specific. Specific. He told Joshua seven times, or seven days, go around the city. And on the seventh day, seven times, do it silent until the last. And specific. He told David, no, don't go up there, go around the back, and then wait till the wind is blowing the balsam trees. Like, what a specific and strange instruction. But that's the way he did it, and the results were amazing. Okay, Moses, lift your hands up. As long as you're lifting your hands up, you're going to win. When they drop down, oh! I mean, why? Like, how awkward was it for Aaron and her to hold Moses? Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this is God. He's specific. He gets to choose how and what he does. We say, yes, sir. All right, next point. A consecrated camp. Not just a base, okay, but a camp speaks of active, ready to move. You guys know we've been very nomadic. We've been camp to camp to camp. God wants us to stay in that mode. Yes, we are to secure the ground, possess the land, but Jesus wants us ready to move around. Okay? Joshua was at this camp. They just made it the promised land, and all of a sudden, he sees this guy, and Joshua's like, before or against this man. And uh, he's like, uh, neither. I'm the leader. And Joshua's like, oh. And then he gives him instruction, tells him what to do. As we're playing volleyball, as we're camped out at the campfire, having a good time, playing cards with the angels, one of them has a guitar, okay? He like shows it to the picture. Maybe they have like 76 string bar. <laughs> and the living creatures come down there and play, they've got like six wings, you know, they're like keyboarding it up. <laughs> anyway. We're having a good time with them, and it's happy rejoicing that in an instant we see a man with a sword, fire in his eyes. Like, who, who are you? And it's like, don't be afraid, it's me. The guy who was playing volleyball with him. I'm the Lord Jesus, I'm the commander. Come on. It's time to go and take out Jericho. See, just like Hawaii has been called paradise and this place of Joy, celebration, relaxation. It's also one of the most famous and infamous military bases in American history. It, it is militant and it is celebratory. So the camp, a consecrated camp, means we are set apart, not thinking Christian wisdom, thinking specific strategy from heaven, and we're camp ready for action. Ready to be a mobile army. All right. 
Now a fifth and final point. And this is where it comes down specifically to each one of you guys. Mighty military with wild warriors. If we're talking about the Lord Sabaoth, his title that he used repeatedly in the Old Testament, he is Yahweh, the leader, the commander of heaven's armies, or the armies of angels in heaven. He's the leader of the armies. And just like Michael, the archangel, is a real being with a real assignment, with a real leadership, so his army on the earth is made up of real people with real names. Joshua and David were not just phantom symbols. They were people, imperfect people. You are his military. You are his mighty warriors. You are the warriors of Rome. You are his mighty military. You are the mighty men of David. Jesus is the greater David, but he had his mighty men who carried out his kingship, who destroyed the enemy. You are the mighty warriors. And you're not just fighting for a human kingdom. You're fighting for the royal reign of Jesus Christ. You are fighting so that paradise can extend, so that there can be greater territory. You are fighting for broken people to come into union with God. You're fighting for the people Jesus has purchased with blood. He paid for paradise for lots of people. He purchased that, and he has specific people in mind for you to go get. Just like you are specific warriors, he's got specific people to come join. And why does he want them to join? Number one, just to be one with him. It's, it's love. But what's it going to look like? We're going to bring them into the base. We're going to train them. And we're going to show them how to sell them. We're going to do angel campfires and volleyball games with them. They're going to become celebrators like they never imagined. I mean, we're talking about the kingpin partiers of Jessica County. The ones who know how to have a good time, brother. Go down to the river. Show you what we're going to do. Yeah, I've been in those circles. I mean, it was that guy. I not quite talk about that. But we are going to shame the partying and celebrations of the world. We're going to shame physical intoxication through alcohol or drugs. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. That's not accidental that he said that. Don't be drunk on wine, which will get you like really energetic and you have lots of endorphins going in you. Bro. Be, be, be filled with the Spirit. Spirit filled. No. Spirit filled is we're having the best time. And again, I know we've had a war against our joy and against our holy intoxication. But when God says in Psalm 16, at my right hand are pleasures forevermore, in my presence is fullness of happiness. Fullness. My son Jesus, Psalm 45, was the happiest, the gladdest being to ever walk on earth, far above any other of his human companions. Exploding bright 
liquid orange lava joy, flaming. Okay? Little victorious volcanoes on holy Hawaii. Filled up with blessing and joy. And it's not for us. He blesses his people so they can be a blessing. He blesses us so we can bring a blessing. We want to bring in more people, number one, so they can be one with Jesus and one with us. It's all about agape. It's all about friendship, family. We want to be a family army of friends. Okay? We want to be relational, family, friendship. But we fight. We fight for the sake of family, for the sake of friendship. We fight for the sake of paradise, which is a person, one with Jesus, being possessed by heaven. That word is intentional, it's biblical. You think, you think possessed, you think, oh, the demons. No, Jesus said, you purchased men for God. I call you, he says, my special treasure, my holy possession. I want to be the possession of God. Paul, one of the main things he said about himself, he's like, I'm a bond slave of God. I've been possessed by God. And Paul freaked people out more than anybody with his liberty. He was so out of control. He was so controlled by God that he was so free from himself and from humans. You have the same inheritance. Father, thank you for your beach, your bay of Wilmore. Though we cannot see it now, we believe. And I ask you, God, that you would just give each person here your own specific encouragement uh, for them, their, your own specific picture that you want them to see and believe. God, this is uh, not just from my mind. I don't think. Uh, I believe this is your word. That you have a vision for this city. To bless this city with a beach and a bay reality. To make this like a holy Hawaii. A Hawaii except way better. We welcome all your blessings. We welcome the blessings of being on the beach and just relaxing with you, enjoying you, eating. You do a cookout for us. The father kills the fatty calf for us. As Jesus, you slay those pigs and then you don't send them into the water this time. You, you have them cleaned and you make a big roast for us. We just look forward to that, God. And I once again say, Lord, I declare, I believe the folly of mankind. I, I believe the folly of Hawaii and Wilbur. I believe it, Lord. I believe. Ash would help us to believe and just to receive it. And Lord, get us excited about your goodness. The goodness that you're going to pour out. And Lord, fully empower us to be those mighty militant warriors, those wild warriors like the barbarians who just were fearless and fierce, but yet as precise as the most well-trained military on the earth. Let us have a combination of both. 
Thank you for every person here, Lord. I pray a blessing on them, body, soul, and spirit. I plead your blood, Jesus, over every person, over every family, over every home represented. And I pray, God, that you would continue to stir up your personal prophetic words in each heart so that we can fight the good fight of faith and be encouraged and be built up. And we can destroy the works of the devil rather than being destroyed.